Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. We are here to talk UFC Fort Lauderdale, a.k.a. UFC Sunrise, a.k.a. UFC on ESPN Plus 8, I think. I've seen tons of names on Twitter floating around. But the main event of this card there is no question about it. it is Ronaldo Jacare Souza taking on Jack the Joker Hermanson here on Fight IQ. We are going to break this card down from bottom to top, talking all things DraftKings. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, back after my one-week absence of being a little under the weather. I hope everybody missed me. The guys who were here last week, the analysts of Fight IQ, Chris Olson, Joe, also known as Sun Tzu. Guys, the most important question other than did you cash like I did last week, is did you miss me? Well, mm. you well, go first, Chris. Well, I was going to say, um, I actually gave you a compliment last week, but since you're here now, I can't say anything nice to you. So True. You'll, have to, you'll have to watch it if, if you want to see it. But uh, I did give you some props last week, um, begrudgingly, but I, I did. So now I gotta go listen. Like, like my ego needs that. I know. Well, no, I was. Well, any any views we can get on the pod yeah, counts. So I'm getting one more in there. <laughs> well, I did. I did miss you, but not for the reasons you might think. I had to listen to um, the DFS Army Pod. I listened to the DFS Army Pod, and uh, I think the uh, the bug spray trucks in Minnesota were out in force as Eric <laughs> uh, Eric F went on for you. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you made uh, an inside I, joke there, guys. But trust I know me, I didn't cash. I, I actually, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. I, I got really fortunate that one of my hedge lineups um, took took third in the fifteen dollars, um, which kind of actually broke me even for the card because nothing else went right um, for me on that card. So there's one instance of where you know spreading in a mass entry actually bailed me out. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm hoping to actually do a bit better this week. All right, let's see if we can get everybody on that money train before we talk about this card. Make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial to all their premium content, no credit card required. We record these live on Friday night. If you are in chat, you can. if you are listening to the replay on iTunes, you can check it out on YouTube. We do record these on Friday. you got to step away while you are listening to this on Friday. It'll be on iTunes later for your... I, I was going to say driving to work, but tomorrow Saturday. But as you're doing yard work pre-card, um, you can listen to 
the podcast. I think that's all the intro we have. Oh, no, I'm always going to plug uh, Twitter. I'm at the DF Sniper. Chris is at Real Chris Olsen. Joe is at Sun Tzu. Let's get to the first fight of the night. It is Court McGee at 8,700, taking on Diego Lima at 7,500. Court McGee, the favorite, up to minus 185. Diego Lima, plus 170. Diego Lima got his first, uh, not his first UFC win, but his first win in his second stint in the UFC, uh, knocking out the very chinny Chad Lepree, who finally paid for his weak chin. Court McGee, typical grinder, been around forever. Joe, who takes this one between really two veterans of the game here? Yeah, I'm very conflicted because when I first looked at this fight, I'm like, okay, you know, Granted, Lima had this flash KO of Chad Lepree. Lepree, everybody and his brother and sister was on him in that last fight, and Lima gets the knockout. Looking back Lima's on it, by those... the way, sorry. Looking back at that fight, I think everybody said, man, if, because Lepree had been hurt a bunch. Man, I hope his right. chin holds up. Man, yeah. I hope his chin holds up. And it doesn't, and he's 7% yeah. owned. And we're all like, well, that was stupid. You know, Lima is like one of those, like, I, I guess the best analogy I could use is like, like batting practice pitchers, like, you know, he could, he, he really does well, um, you know, when there's really not a lot on the line, like, you know, he's dominated two seasons of tough. And then when he kind of like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's nerves, if it's jitters, um, you know, cause he, he's got some pop, right. And, you know, he's attractively priced and we all know what court McGee's going to do. Um, you know, court McGee, pretty much fights the same now as he always has. You know, I don't know that he's evolved all that much. So if I was going to, like, dissect this fight, cash versus GPP, I'd probably favor Lima in GPPs and McGee in cash. Um, you know, but I have to make a pick here. So based on some people that I respect, I'm going to go against my initial inclination to pick McGee, and I'm going to... Play Lima. I'm going to take the upset here. Yeah, I don't. I we need to talk about who those people are. I feel very good about Court McGee here. I'm worried about the scoring. I have a straight bet on Court McGee. I got him early in the week. I think around minus 155 was the number. So I got a little bit of value on that. I'm Diego Lima to me. He's proved he's. I am not super fighter. confident here, guys. So yep. like this is a I'm this is a GPP flyer here that I'm taking. Low owned again. I think McGee wins, but I'm worried about his ceiling. How about for you, Chris? Yeah, um, this is sort of a weird one to be, like, you know, not confident about. I think um, we've seen uh, Diego Lima just get mugged by wrestlers in the past. Uh, I think that's pretty much going to happen again. Uh, we know that Court McGee is a tough guy. I don't expect him to, um, you know, get, get knocked out terribly by any check left hooks. I think that um, he keeps himself reasonably safe, uh, which I like about him. That's also... Um, part of the reason why that is is because he's not very much of a volume guy. But, you know, his takedowns are pretty varied. He can hit reactive ones. He can do them up against the cage. Um, I expect some rinse and repeat here. I think in his last fight, uh, Court put up 90-plus. Um, I think he can get, like, two to four takedowns here and, uh, you know, maybe um, a couple transitions and, and in a win here. I think he can pay off. His upside might be a little stunted for GPPs. But, um, yeah, I think he's pretty safe everywhere. If he wasn't quite so tough, I, I, I might be against it. But um, I think he's just going to grind this out and get it done, as we've seen wrestlers do in the past against uh, Lima. So, courts the pick. All right. Now probably the most over-talked fight of the whole week. Angela Hill, 9,400, taking on Jody Escabel at 6,800. Angela Hill is a – sorry, I'm swearing. Sorry, Rotowire is a batshit crazy Minus 570. Jody Escabel is a plus 480. Chris, how are you approaching this fight? Is assuming you have found the the you know that censorship button to to beep out my swearing. If you're if you have found it and got that in, how are you breaking this fight down? Well, I haven't, which means I'm going to get another letter this week. So thanks a lot for that, Sean. But um, I I think that. Um, you know, you say like it's it's a crazy line, and I guess it's crazy just because minus five seventy. Uh, yeah, no, I guess it's crazy just because Angela Hill isn't uh, a person you would associate with being a big favorite. But quite honestly, I mean, I, I see her basically doing whatever she wants in this fight. Jo Jody Escabel is um, 
you know, she's got, she's got no power whatsoever. She just sort of wings overhands. She might throw a two-punch combination in there somewhere, but she's not very, a very developed striker at all. She doesn't wrestle. Uh, she doesn't really grapple. I see Angela Hill just sort of using her movement. This is going to stay on the feet. She throws harder. She's a more varied striker. I mean, I understand the line and whatever and the price. You know, it's hard to pay off because Hill doesn't really finish, uh, hasn't really finished her wins in, in the UFC. But, like, in terms of who's going to win the fight, like, I see zero path to Esquivel here. And I say that pretty confidently. I, I think I think Hill gets a pretty high-scoring decision. She probably won't pay off unless she finishes, which is a hard hard uh, pill to swallow for her at this point. But, I mean, the pick's Hill. Pick's Hill. Okay. couple things. Andrew Hill's not going to do whatever she wants because she has no takedown or ground game. She's she could be like, I want to take take Jody Escobar down. But she but she She's doesn't want to do that. But you said whatever she wants to do, and if she, she wanted to do that, she never wants she, to wrestle. If you want to get pedantic with me, we can get pedantic. Yeah, and we can, and you would be wrong. No, I, but either way, there's definitely a path to victory for Escobar because she can get takedowns. Now it's extremely unlikely, but never, there's a path. There's never gotten a path takedown in the UFC. Never gotten one. If you're going to take anybody down, it's going to be Angela Hill. I'm just saying there is a path there. I do agree. Hill wins this fight way more, way more times than not. She probably doesn't pay off. What's interesting to me, though, is that when Hill wins, they're high-volume striking battles. At 6,800, Escabel's going to be the chalk cash punt of this card, and it's what I'm pretty comfortable with. I don't think Hill's going to finish her. I think Escabel can land. Just Hill forces Hill for I know you Escabel doesn't throw volume a ton of volume. Escabel forces volume out of people. Or, or Hill forces volume out of people. Hill makes people who's not high volume strikers into high volume strikers. Go look at the logs, go look at ufcstats.com. It's right there. But so how does she win? How does she I'm win? Not, wait, wait, I'm not talking about winning. I'm I'm now I'm on to it being a viable cash game punt. I will take my 35 cash points at 6,800 all day, every day. I mean, you know, I mean, okay. That, that's like your absolute ceiling too. I mean, mm, no, you, I, I hope Escabel takes her down because Hill's ground game is garbage. Joe. Yeah. So, okay. So I honestly, I don't see a, a lot of opportunities here for Jody Escabel um, to win either. I mean, and let's be honest. Okay. So, Angela Hill should not be a minus should not be a six to one favorite against Stevie Wonder. So let's let's kind of put that on the table. Um, however, I do have to agree with Chris. I, I think that um, Angela Hill can can win this anywhere and could potentially put her away. I look at this the other way. I like Angela Hill as a really safe upper tier play in cash. Um and I don't like Escabel at all. Now, I will be honest in saying I don't see this as a very cash-friendly card. Um, so I'm not going to play a lot of cash. But if I was, I think you could get a solid 90 to 95 points um, out of Angela Hill relatively safe. 90 to 95 points. Where I don't know that I could say that with everybody else in that upper tier. So I like Angela Hill for cash. I don't like Escabel a lot. I'm going to play her. Just because I'm going to max out in in you know mass entry, but other than that, um, yeah, this is a great stylistic matchup for Angela Hill, so she's the pick here. Jim Miller, eighty six hundred. Jason Gonzalez, seventy six hundred. Jim Miller minus one thirty five. Jason Gonzalez plus one twenty five. Someone just posted uh, four picks in chat, you know, and kind of made it seem like they were picking going out on a limb. I've seen tons of people picking all four of the fighters listed, and one of them was the underdog in Jason Gonzalez. I think he's going to be a pretty trendy dog here at 7,600. Joe, who do you have? Yeah, so it's interesting because, and I should say that um, Gonzalez helped me, you know, win a major GPP when he kind of came from behind against J, J, T, JC or JT Cottrell. JC Cottrell. Uh, JC Cottrell and, and got that choke out. Um he was a dog, and that was my one dog, and then the rest of my favorites won. So I had a really good slate. Um, however, I, it's interesting that the momentum on Gonzalez is purely based on a loss that he had to Gregor Gillespie, and then you know subsequently took a year off. So that's the recency bias. Like this guy looked 
okay in a dominating loss against Gregor Gillespie. And now he's taking a year off. Now, is Jason Gonzalez that much better than White, who Jim Miller, you know, recently beat? You know, now look, believe it or not, there's only two years apart here in, in age. Everybody, you know, Miller's this grizzled veteran. He's got a ton of fights, and maybe he's got more fight years on him um, than, than uh, Gonzalez. But Gonzalez is not a kid. He's 33 years old. Miller's 35. Okay, so we're not talking a lot of, uh, of years here. Right. So you've got Miller who should be able to beat a guy like Jason Gonzalez. I mean, he beat Alex White, Southpaw. Gonzalez is a Southpaw. And then, I mean, you know, talk about the who's who of losses Oliveira, Hooker, Trinaldo, Pettis. Yeah, he shit the bet against those guys. Poirier. Poirier, though, that was a really good fight against Poirier. He hurt Poirier pretty badly with his kicks. But anyway, um, when I first looked at this fight, I'm like, ah, you know, does Gonzalez have a chance? All the technical signs here point to Miller. Um, would I be surprised if Jason Gonzalez won? No. But um, I'm going to have to go with Jim Miller here. I think this is the kind of guy that – now, Miller will be undersized here. This is the kind of guy that Miller should be able to beat and maybe even submit. So – I'm going to go with Jim Miller here. I would say that, you know, have some shares of, of Gonzalez at 7.6. He has made me money in the past, which is why I'm, I may have more than I probably should have. But if you're asking me to pick a winner, it's going to be Jim Miller. Yeah, I, I think people are relying a lot on Jim Miller's age. And what's the other thing? Really, hey, before I like, told you, Sean, did, did you know that they were only two years apart before I mentioned it? I did, but Jim Miller is – not so much age, just being fight-worn. Oh, Jim absolutely. Miller, He's Jim, grizzled, Jim, man. Jim Miller's been in the game a long time. People are expecting a decline from him. And really, this interesting and, – and the size advantage. I think people are going off of size yeah, you're right. on those two things. Yeah. For me, Eileen, Jim Miller, I get it. I'm not – I mean, at some point it's going to fall off. Chris, is it, is it Saturday night? Um, I don't think so. Look, nothing about um, Jim Miller's – recent losses have told me that like he's done i mean i pretty much expected that uh, that charles Oliveira fight to go down like that but that's charles Oliveira, you know so um a, a guy like jason miller i mean he gets he gets hit a ton he can't really stop takedowns although i will say he did better in that gregor gillespie fight um than he had in the past it's just that gillespie's so relentless that eventually he got him to where he wanted him but um I think that um, you know Gonzalez, the guy, he got, he loves his head kicks. He could definitely land one and maybe you know um, take Miller out. But I think Miller can use his wrestling. He can um, try to put his punches together. He's actually a decent counter puncher. Lo- loves those counter elbows, which uh, could be a thing here. We saw him uh, get rocked from a counter elbow in that uh, Gillespie fight. Actually, I, I just think that. Um, Gonzalez has too many deficiencies, too many holes here that I would be surprised if a, if a vet like Miller wouldn't be able to exploit. Um, again, I, I, I could see him catching him with a head kick or something and knocking Jim Miller out or maybe like wobbling him and, and jumping on an opportunistic submission or something like that. But I can't count on that because, again, Gonzalez is just too, is just too raw and Miller – Still has like a good, solid, fundamental game. And if he's going to be like the contrarian payup, I'll go for that too. So I'm taking Jim Miller here. All right, next fight we have Gilbert Dorino Burns, 9,100, taking on Mike Davis at 7,100. Burns is minus 245. Davis is plus 225. Burns is one of my favorite plays on the entire card. Chris, are you with me or are you against me? I um I'm with you, but um with some trepidation. Of course, um, of course you are. No, because look, Mike Davis is is a scary dude, man. He's big, he's athletic, he hits hard. He's a decent technical boxer. Um, he gave us, I think, one of the best uh, contender series fights we've ever seen against uh, Sadiq Yusuf. I um, the and also something you have to note is that Gilbert Burns gets hurt a lot. Uh, even even in fights he wins, he gets hurt. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, when he when he gets when he gets hurt, I mean that's when he tends to wrestle. 
Uh, Mike Davis has a wrestling pedigree, but I can't really see him being that great defensively just because of how um, upright he is and, and his lack of footwork. It would, it would surprise me if like he was able to um, stop Gilbert Burns from just running through him if he wanted to. But having said all that, um, you know, Mike, da- Mike Davis is dangerous, man. The only, what really has me picking Gilbert Burns here is he's a, he's a pretty underrated counterpuncher. I think um, uh, the Jason Sago fight where he sent them into the next dimension with a counter, with a counter overhand uh, comes to mind. Um, I think that's really going to pay dividends here because Mike Davis tends to overextend into a lot of his shots, but could he, could he um, connect with a shot and uh, knock, uh, knock Burns out or hurt him? I think of course he could. I I, I don't see why that couldn't happen. Um, But I think Burns is the more technical fighter. I think the wrestling is going to come into play and I think the grappling is going to come into play. That has me picking Burns, but I would say, uh, for, well, the first thing I would say is have both sides of this fight and um, because I think it's going to be high scoring. And second thing is, um, well, I guess these are, they're both the same. I was going to say don't ignore it, but that's kind of the same thing. So, yeah, uh, Gilbert Burns is the pick. Yeah, I much have here on Burns, Joe. Yeah, so, Chris, question. Um, I see the boxing pedigree. Where, where are you – like, what is your source of information for Mike Davis's wrestling pedigree? Uh, that, that just – that's just something they always they always say in his fights that he has yeah because I mean I I see him more as a boxer no no uh, no I, I would agree I've I've never I've never seen him go for go for offensive takedowns but I figured it was worth mentioning because every fight he's in the announcers mention it so yeah also you know he bounces around between one forty five and one fifty five not crazy about his camp um you know uh unless you guys can can tell me that. Pete White boxing and MMA is is better than I I might think it is. Um, yeah, uh, I like uh, Burns a fair amount here. I'm, my concern is similar to Chris's in that Burns doesn't always exhibit the best fight IQ. I mean, I think if he fights the right fight, he could win this, you know, and score well. You know, if he if he doesn't fall in love with his striking and try to make this a boxing match. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick Burns, but I think it's 7.1K um, for GPPs. I don't think it's it's awful an awful idea to have a few shares of Davis. But I, I'm with you, Sean. I like Burns. I like Burns a fair amount here. I need to circle back because some discussion came up about uh, Jason Gonzalez. Uh, SureDog had it listed at 29, his age at 29. Joe, I know both you and I use Tapology, and he's listed at 33 there. I dug into the UFC site, and it looks like he's actually 29 years old. Really? Okay. So, Tabology's got an error on there. So, okay. Um, we stand I still corrected. don't think he's improved enough, but yeah, in terms of the edge. So, thanks to the guys in chat for pointing that out. Appreciate Let's that. Move on to Carla Esparza, 8200, taking on Vernia Jandaroba at 8000. Jandaroba, the former Invicta champ, or I guess current Invicta champ, but she's moving to the UFC. She's actually the favorite now at 8,000. She's minus 120. Esparza is plus 110. The line has flipped. It is our mid-range fight, and to me it is exactly a mid-range fight because this is the one I've been flip-flopping with the whole time. Esparza has improved on the feet. I think she'll be better on the feet than John Daroba. John Daroba's got great BJJ. Esparza has a wrestling background. Taking Tatiana Suarez out of the equation, we saw her taken down by um, Randa Marcos. So it comes down to can John DeRoba get this fight to the ground? And then regardless, for our purposes in DraftKings, is the winner going to score? I think people are going to largely ignore this fight. I'm picking as far as I'll have a couple shares, but this is a fight probably to be underweight on. I'm picking Carlos Sparza in a really interesting, a fight I'm actually looking forward to watching, but it's not good for DraftKings. Uh, Joe. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you pretty much nailed it there, Sean. I mean, I think our Sparza is is worth a bet here at plus money. Um, yeah, I just saw the line flip for the first time. I'm yeah, I, uh, I'm gonna I, wait a little know, bit. I think everybody is getting suckered in by this fourteen and zero record, and um, I think Asparza obviously. I mean, look, I you can't hold. I am so if I'm like a Tatiana Suarez fanboy. I mean, you know, I, I love Tatiana Suarez. I make no bones about it. I like everything about her. I like the way she fights. I like the way she looks. Whatever. Okay, sue me for being superficial. 
but I also like the way she fights. I think she'll um, be a champ in 2019. Yeah, so do I. I think she could she could take Andrade, who I believe is going to beat Rosnami Yunus. But anyway, um, so let's not hold that fight against Carlos Barza. She dominated um, Calvillo, right? And then arguably beat Claudia Gedalia. I mean, so, like, where is all this hate coming for Asparza? I mean, you know, so I like Asparza as a bet here. From a DraftKings perspective, I like I said, you you pretty much took all the thunder on this one. Um, from a DraftKings perspective, yeah. I mean, she's only scored over 80 points twice um, in her career. So um, I have to believe that, um, you know, she's – even in a win, she's not going to be a high scorer. And she will have, believe it or not, like when was the last time you heard that Asparza has a striking advantage? She's going to have a striking advantage here. Um, I think she's a better wrestler than, um, you know, uh, uh, John Aroba. But John Aroba's probably have is a better jujitsu fighter. So I don't know that Asparza will look to take her down unless – it's opportunistic. So I'm going to say Esparza is looks like a really solid bet at plus money. Although for DraftKings, I would not have a whole lot of exposure to this fight. And I'm going to pick, obviously pick Esparza to win. All right, Chris, say something contrarian. Well, no, I just think that um, John Daroba, I mean, the fact that she's getting so much love isn't just because she's undefeated. It's because she has like 12 subs out of 14 wins or whatever. So she's going to, she's going to be hunting, for that takedown and sub early and often. And, you know, if she gets it, you know, that's that's a lot of points, obviously. I she agree. The, tuck day, the, the takedown and sub? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I, think every, I, I think we all agree that the sub will happen if it gets to the ground, but you, do you, what do you think the odds are of John DeRobe getting as far as a down? I, I don't know. I mean, like you said, we've seen her take down before and not just, oh, yeah. not just by um, Tatiana Suarez. So... I mean, when you have, and I mean, if you if you look at her, if you look at uh, John Daroba's double legs, they're fairly technical. I mean, there's nothing; they're not like they're not the prettiest things in the world, but they're not sloppy or anything. They. Um, no, I agree. I, I, I'm not. I was in a shot. I'm actually. I'm, I'm legitimately. No, no, no. I know. I, I think whatever percentage you give her to get the fight to the ground is her percentage to win the fight. No, it's really yeah, that no, simple. I, I agree, and I, and I think I think she keeps herself safe enough. To, I mean, the interesting thing about her is. Like I was trying to analyze her game on the feet, but there's not that much to analyze because she doesn't. She honestly doesn't throw that much. She just sort of stands on the outside and waits for her opportunity to en enter for a takedown. So that's why I think that like if Esparza wins this, I mean I, I agree that like I I've, I've been saying for a while that I think her boxing is really underrated. I think um I th I think that um you know she even has a little bit of power in her hands that we saw in the. Uh, in the uh, Claudia Gadelia fight, but um, I think that um, if she wins this fight, I think it, it's really going to be um, like like a low striking affair, just because um, Vondarova doesn't lend herself to that. You know, she's not going to be hanging out in the pocket. She's going to be again on the outside, waiting for her opportunities to enter. So I would I would either probably take Vondarova or pass this fight because I think Vondarova's upside, uh, her ceiling is pretty high. And I don't can't say the same thing about Cadelia. So that's pretty much my read on the fight. If I if I was gonna say who's gonna win, I don't know. I I think that probably I I'll, I'll say that Cadelia keeps it on the feet, but I'm not a, I'm not very certain about that. But again, for DraftKings, I think Vondrova is the much more interesting play. Hang on, I gotta take care of something in chat. Oh, now I'm getting hey, somebody type a bunch of messages. We have some very nice, humble person um, dropping Avengers spoilers. Oh, oh, I almost, I almost cursed. I don't want to hear it. Thor is fat, isn't a spoiler, but no, that I've I've cleared a bunch of them. So okay. anyway, I'm not going to read out the name because you don't deserve any publicity. Anyway, Augusto Sakai, 8400, taking on Andre Arlovsky at 7800. Sakai minus 140. Arlovsky is plus 130. It's a shame that Chris goes first for this fight because Sakai's recent opponent is Chase Sherman. So I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get a Chase Sherman rent at some point. It's how far has this fight's easy, actually. How far has Arlovsky fallen? If it's far, Sakai will score well in a win. If it's 
Arlovsky. He probably doesn't score great in the win unless you think lightning strikes twice. I actually, the most interesting thing about this fight to me is that it's same. It's one of those. I wish I was in the pod last week. I was way overweight to the field on Abdurakimov and Tybora because it's a heavyweight fight that nobody wants any part of. Like when I can get heavyweights under owned, now I'm interested. And I think this fight's going to go under owned. I get why. I get why that doesn't that doesn't go to decision is what it is, but. Yeah, I have some interest here, especially in the guy I'm picking, and that is Andre Arlovsky. Chris? Yeah. Um, funny, going back, watching that Sakai-Sherman uh, fight, it's a shame because those first two rounds were probably the best Jay Sherman's ever looked uh, in the octagon. He, uh, he was, you know, really putting combinations together well. Uh, my, my thing about Sakai is um, he tends to really overextend on his right hands a lot. And that's sort of why he was um, Sherman was countering him so effectively. Um, he likes to sort of get you in the clinch and rough you up. But I mean, uh, Arlovsky, he, he might not be the biggest guy, but he's very physical in there. He, um, you know, we saw him uh, muscling around Walt Harris for um, certain certain parts of that fight. And um, you know, he's a very fast, very clean boxer. He's got a nice jab. Jab overhand right is basically all he does these days, sometimes throwing a light kick. But, I mean, it, it works for him in sort of a minimalistic way. And we've seen him throw in the wrestling now too, which I think could be an, another important aspect of this fight. I just like Arlovsky to um, be the cleaner striker and um, get this done. So uh, my pick is Andre Arlovsky. I think it's a matter of how much does he score. That's what everybody's saying in chat, and I agree with that. I'm just I'm not going to go crazy. I just – everyone's saying the same thing. I like it for GPPs just because no one else is going to be on them. Anyway, Joe. Uh, I have uh, I have Sakai by KO here. Um, That's the other way to go. Yeah, I have him by KO. I'm, look, I wasn't, like, super impressed with his performance against Jay Sherman. Obviously, he got the – he got the finish, which is important. Um, can anyone recall whether that was a short notice fight for him or not? I, I can't recall specifically. He is a huge heavyweight. He cuts to make 265. Well, he's fat. Yeah, Sorry, yeah that's well, okay. Let's, we could go with that. He's, um, got a lot, he's got a lot of extra weight. And just the Chase Sherman thing, that was that was the fight where Chase Sherman had like some leg issue in the third round and couldn't stand up, went to the ground, like kind of like – Sat yeah, down he, and Sakai finished him. I mean, look, Sakai's only loss is a split decision loss to, to check Congo, which is not a horrible loss. Um, you know, uh, so I am going to, like, look, I know that Arlovsky has dodged the the KO over his last couple fights against Tuivasa. And, you know, I'm going to, to say that this is the fight where, you know, his chin fails him again. Um, and I'm going to take Sakai here by KO. I mean, I can't, I, I honestly can't believe we're still talking about, um, chin narratives. How long has it been? And check out the, check out the heavyweights that knocked him out too. It's I know, I know, dude, I get it. I get it. I'm just going to me. This is like an age fade and Sakai is 27 years old. He's a big heavyweight. Um, yes, I got it. I mean, I'm saying is going to fail him again. Not that he's, you know. He's been he's been losing by decision the last you know for a while so I'm okay right. with that. Let's move on to Takashi Sato nine thousand taking on Ben Killaby Saunders at seventy two hundred. Sato is minus two hundred. Saunders is plus one eighty five. Good does not go to decision prop in this fight. Saunders clearly has chin issues. This is another one where I'm just I'm looking to go against what everyone else is saying. And I also just don't think Sato's that good. Pancrase isn't a great promotion, guys. I took a small shot on Ben Saunders, very small, by the way. But I think it's worth it. I think he's the he's actually <laughs> I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but skill for skill. I actually think Ben Saunders is a better fighter. I think he'll maintain range better. I think he's got a better ground game. It's a matter of does that chin hold up? And it very well could not. If Saunders goes to sleep, I'm not gonna be surprised at all. I just think Sato is going to get really high owned for what his skill set is. Joe, I know we both like Ben Saunders as a person. 
I also know that you think I am crazy because I was I, I know you were all about him versus Lyman Good, which I had tons of Lyman Good too, but are you continuing your Ben Saunders has a glass chin and is done kind of streak? Man, like I, I really do like Ben Saunders and like the the non-DraftKings part of me of my persona would love to see Ben Saunders go out on a win. Um, you know, I had some conversations with him and I'm like, dude. And he's like, you know, I'm like, he's like, well, you know, that's what happens when you fight. And I'm like, dude, I just don't want to see you take any more punishment. I mean, you know, so, uh, whew, yeah. Um, is that, is that hang, on, hang on, is that what you said to him? Yeah, I said, dude, I don't want you, I don't want to see you take more punishment. You what know, did he, like, what did he say? Like, you know, like, that's like, that's kind of the business I'm in, All you right. know, and look, he's, he's a great guy. He's, he's um, personable with fans. This is a fight in his backyard, Florida. Um, I'd love for him to – well, I'm afraid that if he wins this, he won't retire. Um, but, yeah, I don't know a lot about this Sato guy. I know Pancreas is not a great promotion. Um, I think if there's a fight recently of late that Saunders could win, it might be this one. I'm still, I hate this. I'm still going to pick Sato here. But I would say that, it, like, you know – Given that Saunders has a, has a four, a zero, that this is purely a GPP fight for me, um, I would take some some shares of Saunders here in GPPs because, look, he, he's got a great jujitsu game. Um, he's got some power with knees. I mean, look, everybody, I think my daughter could have KO'd Ellenberger at the end of his career, so I'm not putting a lot of stock in that KO, but... I'm going to pick Sato here reluctantly. I would not be upset if Sanders got the win. Um, good fight to target for GPPs. Chris? Yeah, I I, uh, I like I like Sato a little bit. I, I think the speed difference and, uh, and is just going to be so uh, overwhelming. Like, like Ben Saunders just kind of plods and throws body kicks. I, I, I expect him to, to eat uh, some straight lefts that Sato – throws really hard and uh, maybe go to sleep. Um, it's not that Sato can't be hit. It's just that Ben Saunders doesn't really have a boxing game. Uh, he, I mean, he'll throw his one-twos or whatever, but it's basically just body kicks and, and a jiu-jitsu game to where he, he just he never wrestles. So uh, he, unless he gets the fight there through a knockdown or, or something like that, um, he, the fight's not really going to hit the floor. I agree with you that, Pancrase isn't really the best organization. I think Diachi um, Abi was a champion over there. So, I mean, you know, take that for what it's worth. But um, How I, dare you? How yeah. dare you insult Daichi Abe? I, no, I mean, I don't, I don't, that's like, I mean, the fight he had with uh, Ong Ju Lim was awesome. But, but um, I, I, I just, I just think that Saunders is, look, he just doesn't do enough for me. And I mean, unless it's going to be a situation where he's going to, He's gonna catch somebody in the clinch like Jake Ellenberger, and even and even last fight where he got the clinch that he wanted, it led to him getting knocked out. So I don't think you can trust him. Any anything, I'm taking Sato and uh, pretty uh, pretty confident about it. All right, Roosevelt Roberts, 9500, taking on God. I don't even know his first name. Thomas Gifford. Thomas. I wanted to say Tom, but I that was close. 6700. Roberts, massive favorite. Best prospect on this, uh, second best prospect on this card, but I do think he is legit. Um, Gifford is an okay grappler, and I think Roberts is better at it. That should spell disaster. I like Roberts if you can fit him, Chris. Um, yeah, I mean, I've never been well, he's only had one fight, so I shouldn't say never, but I, I, I'm not really that high on Roberts. I think he's basically he doesn't have much of a striking game. He's basically just a um, a grappler who I guess can wrestle somewhat, but I doesn't wrestle a ton. And um, you know, the, 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 his opponent here though is like can't stop a takedown. He kind of has his takedown defense is, is trying to slap on guillotines and triangles and work from the bottom, which is never really what you want. Um, and so I I definitely see why people think that Roberts can snatch a quick sub here. But um, you know, you look at the record for the opponent. I think it's twelve and seven. Doesn't look that great, but you know, he he um, he's not altogether terrible. I mean, he he's sort of quick on his feet. He can throw in combination. He's he seems reasonably okay um, defensively on the feet. So 
I think that um, I, I don't think he's like absolutely dead. But the problem is, I see Roosevelt getting this fight to the floor at some point, and I don't think he's just gonna like fall into a guillotine or whatever. The, the way that um, his uh, opponents on the regional scene have. So I guess I have to take Roberts by sub here. But um, I, I should I, I should note that he hasn't impressed me all that much. So. I can't, I can't like super strongly throw my endorsement behind him, but I do think the most likely outcome is that he wins this fight. So, Joe, yeah, what I find interesting about this fight is that Guilford is 26 years old, at least according to Tapology. Someone, you know, feel free to correct me. Is 26 years old, has had 24 professional fights and like a dozen amateur fights. <laughs> He's been fighting since 2010. So, you know, do the math. I mean, that's at 26 years old. I mean, you know, he had his first fight at, what, 17 and on the amateurs, amateurs. So, you know, he reminds me a lot of Gerald Mearshart. I mean, Mearshart. He has these streaks where he, he's got a bunch of losses and then he strings together some wins. I mean, you know, he is what I would refer to as a journeyman, lunch pail type of fighter. Um, I think he's, you know, Roosevelt is being set up to get the win here. Um, I don't know how much exposure I'll have to him have of him at that price because if this goes into the second round, you, you're probably not going to get your your value on on Roosevelt at nine point five. Um, I will have a little bit of Guilford, not much. Um, you know, I'll maybe be at five percent in mass entry, but uh, I'm going to pick Roosevelt Robert here. But you know the you know, he's 7-0 and at 25, and the other guy has got 24 and a dozen amateur fights at 26. So just make that with what you will. Uh, Sean, you're muted. You're muted. You're muted. Sean, your mic is muted. I'm muted. I was on a different screen. Sorry, guys. Uh -huh. I couldn't yet get to the microphone. All right, let's try this again. John Lineker, 8,500, taking on Corey Sandhagen at 7,700. Lineker, minus 135. The comeback on Sandhagen is plus 125. Between you, me, and everyone, this is really the co-main event of the card. This is a fantastic fight. Joe, who do you have winning it? Yeah, this is really interesting. I mean, I, this is a massive – like, I get that people like Corey Sandhagen. I mean, I like the guy, too. I like the way he fights. I mean – you know, what he did against, you know, Uriel Contra was was great. I mean, he essentially almost lost an arm. Um, but let's let's look at what happened to him. He actually, you know, was getting his ass beat by Uriel Contra before he turned it around. Um, he's been DraftKings gold, which is is more than enough reason to, to have shares of him in GPPs. I think this is a good fight to target, but this is a huge step up for him. I mean, I get the physical advantages that he has. I just don't believe he's faced anyone that has the power of John Lineker. So um, I am going to take Lineker here, but I certainly would recommend targeting this fight in GPPs because um, I'm, I'm looking for a war. So I, I'm excited to see this fight, but I'm going to go with uh, with Lineker. Um, Sean, you're, you're muted. Again, again. It's okay. That, that I didn't do. That I was weird. Okay. Let's try this again. Chris. I, I on the other hand, like Sandhagen in this fight. Yeah, no, this is, well, this is, it's really interesting to me. Like, I, I love Corey Sandhagen. I, he's so slick. Um, the body work, the light kicks, he can wrestle a little bit. Um, he's got great movement, which, and I think that's the key to this fight. Um, John Lineker is, is um, just sort of a stalking uh, a brawler. He's the king of the stalking brawlers. I like the fact that he does body work as well, which most brawlers don't. But um, th that's what's going to be so interesting to me is um, can Sandhagen land his, his strikes, get out of the pocket, and hit reactive takedowns? If he can do that, he's going to win. This is not unlike the TJ Dillashaw fight so much, which is funny because like, Sandhagen actually reminds me of TJ Dillashaw a little bit, just like in his movement and uh, – well, basically just in his movement. But um, uh, it's interesting to me because even even the guys who Lineker fights who um, do well in the first round, generally he breaks them down with his pressure and just sort of finds them with his strikes. 
I, I don't know if Sandhagen, look, as you said, it's a huge step up. So, I mean, his last fight was against uh, Mario Batista, and now he's fighting John Lineker. So it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I think that um, Sandhagen always keeps his hand low, hands low because he relies on his movement, so he can very easily get caught on the chin here. That shouldn't surprise anyone if it happens. But I think Sandhagen is definitely live here. If he can, you know, use those leg kicks, start breaking them down, get in and out of the pocket, and use his wrestling, he can win this fight. The problem is he's got to be perfect in a way that he probably has never had to be perfect in his life before. He's got to fight a perfect fight for three rounds. I don't know if he can do it. I'm going to have to, at the end of the day, um, go with Lineker here just because uh, – I just don't know if he can be that on for that long. So my pick is John Lineker, but it's going to be a great fight. Ian Kutalaba, 8,300, taking on Glover Teixeira at 7,900. The line is flipped. Teixeira is now the favorite, minus 120. Kutalaba is the dog now at plus 110. This fight screams GPP. I'm wondering if people are going to take cash shots based on odds value even after the Vizayev disaster last week. Uh, Great fight. Give me Teixeira if his chin holds up because Kutalaba fights like a moron. That being said, that aggression, that moronic aggression, is his only path to victory here. So, Chris, how's it going to go? Yeah, um, the, the dynamic in, in, in most Glover fights, at least for the past year or so, have basically been um, if he can't wrestle, he loses, and if he can wrestle, he wins. Um, in this fight, I expect him to get a lot of purchase off that Single leg dump that he loves to use. Um, uh, uh, Antigulov got about three of them even before he lost the fight in the first round, which should tell you um, a, a lot about Kutalaba's takedown defense. Now, can Kutalaba overwhelm him before that happens? Sure, he can, but um, uh, um, Teixeira is still otherworldly tough, despite you know that knockout a couple years ago by Anthony Johnson. You might expect maybe his, his chin to take a turn for the worse after that, and it really hasn't. I mean, we saw him getting battered by, um, oh, who was it? Um, the fight before his last one. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, we saw him getting battered in, in that fight. I'll look for it. We saw him getting uh, in the in the um, Carl Roberson fight. Robertson. No, oh, Roberson. Roberson. Roberson where, where he was knocked out and woke back up. Well, yeah, the elbows and got back he was, up. He was out. Finished, yeah. He was out, woke back up and got a finish. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, long story short, he's a tough guy, and um, wrestling is, is a really, um, really big Achilles heel for Kutalaba. I also think that Teixeira will probably even still be the better technical striker here. Uh, Kutalaba just basically likes to – uh, wing shots and, and pressure, which, again, can overwhelm Glover and finish him. But I think Glover is too savvy here. He's got too many tools, and that wrestling and jiu-jitsu is just too much of an ace. So I got to go with Glover here. Uh, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I, I, Ibid, I mean I'm on Glover. I see Kudalaba as a, a lower fight IQ version of Carl Roberson um, with green paint. Um, so I – look – He's going to be very highly owned. It's not a secret. 7.9K line flip. Lots of value on Glover. Um, I would certainly target this fight, have shares of Kutlaba as well, um, because he could certainly um, you know, he could certainly win this fight. But um, I'm on uh, I'm on to share here at 7.9K. Favorite play under 8K. Moving on. We have Alex Cowboy Oliveira, 8,800, taking on Mike Platinum Perry. At 7,400, Oliveira minus 160, Perry plus 150. Another fight that screams finish. I will say that I am picking Oliveira to win, but I have a sneaking, sneaking suspicion here. Perry is incredibly live in that he's the type of guy that Oliveira struggles with. And I mean that, that if Perry is tough, he's nothing if he's not tough. And, man, as fights get later – Unless, unless Oliveira is totally dominant, he fades a little bit. When he faces adversity, don't exactly like what I see. And if Perry can drag this late into the first round, deeper water, especially second and third, live to a finish. We know he hits hard. Dumbass fight IQ, but 
in terms of if he wins, he'll be on the optimal. So I like this fight a bunch for GPP. The pick is Oliveira for me. Perry, one of my favorite GPP plays in the card, though. Yo. Yeah, so I want to actually I want I want people to look at at Perry's stat line here. And let let's let's just go back to 12 2016 Allen Joban. Okay, loss. Jake Allenberger retired. Alex Reyes out of the out of out of the out of the UFC. Lost to Ponzinibbio, lost to Griffin. Wins a split decision against Felder who broke his arm in that fight. Lost to Cowboy Cerrone. Okay, not exactly a stellar resume here. Um, exciting fighter. I have to believe almost anyone else would have been cut, um, you know, after losing to Ponzinibbio and Griffin. Um, you know, Felder, I think, could have won that fight. If he didn't break his arm, he should have won that fight, um, even though he was a bit undersized. Um, Cerrone, um, I believe he was the favorite going into that fight. Um, yeah, well, he was a minus 200 favorite. And he gets caught. You know, he he foolishly tries to take Cerrone down and gets caught. Not a big fan of not a big fan of Perry's fight IQ. My only concern is that Oliveira doesn't fight smart here, which is a very big concern. Um, and and tries to turn this into a brawl in which anything can happen. I honestly see Oliveira better everywhere: striking, wrestling, ground game, jujitsu, everywhere. So I Except really. Toughness. I real well, yeah. I really like Oliveira everywhere, oh. except, except um, if he decides to make this a brawl. I'm, I'm going to pick Oliveira. I like him a lot here. We'll have some exposure to Perry. Great fight to target in GPPs. The pick is Alex Oliveira. All right. I don't think I've ever been more offended than by that last comment. Except toughness. Did you watch that Yancey Madero's fight? What you, every time and whenever the and the tides turned against him. Yeah, he took he took punishment. He just for three said, rounds. What do you you you're acting like he quits as soon as you're acting like he quits as soon as it gets tough. You have to kill him to go to get him out of there. Maderos had to kill him. Uh, uh, Gunnar Nelson had to put a hole in his head uh, to where the blood wouldn't stop pouring to stop the fight. I mean, the the, the idea that he's just gonna like relent the first time he gets hit is is crazy. That's not even close to what's the to true. First him means first him means fight. He was looking for a way out. I, I look, that's one fight, and then he can, and then he came back and, win, and it wins the rematch handily. So I don't know which, was, which I which I picked him in, by the way. So let's not get too crazy. I had him, um, in, I had him in both, so I was I was happy, and then one one and one. Dad <laughs> and then happy, yeah. But um, but yeah, I look. The, my problem with Mike Perry is like I I don't know why, but it seems like ever since he went to Jackson Wink. Like he's he's gone he's gone from like a stalking combination puncher with power to like a stalking one shot uh, guy with power. Like he he seems very inactive lately, which isn't good for a style like his because he doesn't he doesn't really do much besides throw power. Like that's what he does. He should be trying to get guys out of there, at, uh, you know, the entire fight. And like if he's only gonna throw one punch. Like you're not gonna knock, and this goes to my earlier point. You're not. You're well. You're very unlikely. Let me say that to knock Oliveira out with one punch. Um, you you have to really, you know, stop him to stop him. And to Joe's point about lack of fight IQ to Oliveira, Oliveira's lack of fight IQ skews towards wrestling. He tends to wrestle when he shouldn't, but here he should wrestle. So we don't really have any problems there. If he wrestles, if he wrestles here and. Um, I think he should and he will. I think he's going to very handily outgrapple Mike But Perry. you agree you don't want it to turn into a brawl, right? That's where the danger is. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But I, but I think that, um, you know, even in, a, even in a brawl, I would favor uh, Oliveira. Like, it wouldn't be my favorite thing because it would, it, would, it would even the playing field a little bit. But I would favor Oliveira. He's got, he's got the range. He's got a strong kicking game. And and again, Mike Perry basically just throws single singular hard shots now. So um, and he's tried to wrestle a lot too. So if he goes for that again, then then you know then we're all set. But um, I, I agree that Mike Perry is live to a to a finish because he hits hard. But I I don't really see it as that realistic. I think Oliveira is better everywhere to Joe's point, and I'm picking him pretty comfortably here. All right, moving on to our co-main event, which. Let's please keep the analysis short on this one. In Greg Hardy, 9,300, taking on Dmitry Smolyakov, 
at 6,900. Hardy minus 320. Smolyakov plus 290. UFC dragging in any warm body they can to try and get Hardy a win, who was, before he got disqualified against Alan Crowder, lost the first round to Alan Crowder, was getting touched up. And they brought in somebody worse. They brought in somebody who is getting finished by Cyril Asker. It's just, it's hard to trust for cash. Hardy should win. Superior athlete, and it's just, it's so upsetting to have to break this fight down, especially as a co-main event. Like, you want to give the guy a shot in the UFC, we can have that of debate, but okay, he's here. Co-main event, this is, it's insulting for Oliveira, Perry, Teixeira, Kutalaba, Sandhagen, Lineker, like, everybody else in the main card. Hell, I would make Esparza, John Daroba the co-main event before this friggin' fight, <laughs> but this is where we are. I'm picking Hardy to win. I'll have a couple shares of Smolyakov because Greg Hardy is a dumbass and he's only been training MMA a few years and Smolyakov, while terrible, has been doing it longer than that. And I was way over analysis of this fight. I apologize. Uh, well, it was, it was more a rant than anything, which I kind it of... It should know. be. I mean, it, it needed to be said. I, no, I agree. But, um, look, I, I, I think that um, it, it just, it's just so weird because, like, Smolyakov, they always, they always say, and he was brought in and billed as a master of sport in wrestling, but we haven't seen him wrestle at all in the octagon. Um, he's one of these guys, he came in, he, he had all finishes in the first round, a lot of which were in like the first minute or soon thereafter. He got to a second round against Enrique Da Silva and looked horrible, like he was about to fall asleep, like he was he was so gassed, it was unbelievable. Um, I, I, I think that... Um, Look, if he can wrestle, um, he'll he might win the fight. But um, like you said or alluded to, Hardy can probably just win this on athleticism. Um, unfortunately, uh, I, I I would say have more Smolyakov. I'm I'm more higher on him than you are, just because if he can wrestle, and I mean we've seen his defense his defensive wrestling isn't that bad. Um, so maybe he can wrestle offensively, but we haven't seen it. But it, if he can wrestle, I think that's a pretty clear path to victory. He's pretty tough. I mean, he got hit with some big shots in the Henrique da Silva fight and, and uh, you know, was still there. Cyril Asker, of course, that's a bad loss, of course. I would never dispute that. But that was a ground loss, and Harvey's not going to take it there. Um, you know, on, on the feet, Smolyakov just tries to, like, lunge forward with strikes. So Hardy could catch him that way too. I think Hardy probably wins, but for 6,900 and a guy who has a wrestling pedigree, even if we haven't seen it, I think you have to have, you know, I think you have to dip your toe in the Smolyakov waters a bit a bit more than maybe you would like to, I think. Joe? Yeah, I mean, you guys said it all. Um, Hardy to win based on athleticism. Um, I don't know whether his he's going to earn Salary, especially if this gets into the second round um, in mass entry GPPs, um, I would take a few shots with uh, the Russian, but uh, I'm going to pick Hardy to win here. All right, let's talk about our main event: Ronaldo Jacare Souza, 8900, taking on Jack the Joker Hermanson at 7300. Jacare minus 200, comeback on Hermanson plus 185. Hermanson coming off of the submission win over. Uh, David Branch, Souza, hanging on the top of the middleweight division, wanted to fight Romero, claims the UFC is going to give him a title shot if he wins this fight, which if they said it to him, they're lying to him. Um, no way. Especially uh, Whitaker will will be ready. Um, look, I think Jacare wins as long as he doesn't get – Hermanson's path to victory is dragging Souza into deep waters. Hermanson's got to be tough, not let this fight hit the ground. I know Hermanson's good in the ground. Jacare's better. Jacare throws power. We saw it against Weidman. I think Jacare is prone to gassing out. We've seen it a couple times. We saw it against Kelvin Gastelum. I think that's Hermanson's best, best path to victory, dragging this fight late. I think it is a stackable fight. I think Hermanson is live because Souza is getting older. It's shown he's not totally invincible. I do think Jacare is a little better everywhere, except Hermanson's probably a better technical striker and a little faster. Sosa, though, just throws hard. It's superior ground game. He's my pick here. We'll play both sides. Uh, Joe, kick us off in the main event. 
Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy for me. I mean, the UFC has a habit of like putting fighters in coming off of impressive fights, regardless of whether they're overmatched or not. Um, look, I could be surprised here and Hermanson can, can do something remarkable and, and take Chakra Souza down at 39 years old, you know, not take him down, but win. Um, although my pick here is, is, is Sosa. Um, I'm going to pick Sosa here. I would advise playing Hermanson. This is a good fight to target. Um, you know, does not go to decision. I think is like minus five to one. Um, I would, you know, certainly consider, you know, having a lot of this fight um, in GPPs for sure. Chris, main event. Yeah, I, I don't see, I mean, there are things about um, Jacare recent, recent uh, performance that trouble me, uh, the Weidman fight notwithstanding. I mean, I keep having, going back to um, him having Gaslam in full mount in the middle of the cage and not being able to finish him. But um, having that said that, I mean, look at look at the look at the Jack Hermanson wins for the last like two or three years. They're all they're all grappling based. Um, and and then he had the loss to um, he had the knockout loss to uh, oh what's his face Tiago Santos thrown in there. But um, I I think that Jack Hermanson is probably going to try to force the grapple even though he shouldn't. Because I think that's where he's most comfortable at this point in his career. And I mean, look, he probably got some confidence. He just he just subbed a, a Henzo Gracie black belt in like two seconds in his last fight. So I'm I'm sure that gave him a little bit of confidence. Um, I agree with you that he's probably the more technical striker. He can work behind a jab. But um, you know, Jack Ray is a pretty decent counter striker, even if his counter game isn't all that developed. Um, and he throws hard even when he's tired. We saw that in the in the Calvin Gaslin fight. So his not uh, quitting is really important. And look, we saw even though even though he ended up coming back and winning that fight in what can only be described in as heroic fashion, he was in trouble in that Talos Ladies fight, and it was a grappling based. And uh, you know, Ladies was probably like two inches from getting a, an arm triangle choke uh, on him there. So um, yeah, I, Jackeray has to be the pick. I mean, I, I guess you can play Hermanson for all the reasons you mentioned, but my general rule is that. If a fighter is going to give somebody the fight they want, you got to pick the guy who's going to get the fight they want. And to me, that's Jacques right here. All right, let's talk hot takes. Who is your hot take for UFC Fort Lauderdale? Nothing chalky, guys. Let's let's. Okay, here's a bet. Here's, here's a bet that will pay you plus two twenty-five, at least, maybe higher, maybe higher depending on the website, um, depending on the book. Uh, Glover to share by submission. Um, the DK Sportsbook is at plus 225 on that. I believe five dimes and others might be slightly higher. I think that that is a very likely way for Teixeira to win. So um, Teixeira by submission, plus 225 to plus 250, I think offers some great value. Yeah, those, that, that's, I don't know how hot that is. That, those, those odds seem a little off. but Those, that's right. the, those are the odds, though. So I, to, I, Look, if it was like an even money, I wouldn't have even offered it up. I got you. Okay, fair enough. Chris, you got one? So, yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to take this, but since I, you guys have seeming to go against it, um, I, can I do small Yakov by submission? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that you is, can. That is Fantastic. ridiculously hot. Um, okay, and that's that's, like that's white hot, dude. Let me go with... All right, I'll get, I'll get real crazy here. Carla Esparza knocks out Virna Jandaroba. Wow. <laughs> wow. There you go. TKO. TKO, I should, clar mm -hmm. I should clarify. But I think the striking could be good enough here. I think it could be an issue. Nice. All right, guys. Make sure to go to rotowire.com. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, we got we to wrap, we wrap up here. You got to read one. You got to read one. Oh, yeah. We got to get a hot oh, take oh, from oh, our – Oh, you're right. I didn't even ask for one. I'm sorry, guys. I am – I am Sandhagen and Joker inside the distance. I will give you that with Joker Vince. Sandhagen and Joker inside the distance is the hot take. That is really freaking hot. But there you go. That's the chat hot like take him. of the day. Yeah. Rotowire.com slash free 10-day free trial to all the premium content. No credit card required. Listen after the fact on iTunes. This is a replay 
of the Friday Night Live broadcast on YouTube. <laughs> Sorry, got me. Yeah. Our chat, Nandalal Escabel, Escabel inside the distance. Nandalal, sick troll, man, sick troll. That was good. That, that totally, totally broke my rhythm. So, well played. <laughs> what, is the, uh, what, what is next week? Are we in Brazil next week? Um, I don't know. Oh wow, that's that's really so. That's I'm totally thrown off by somebody saying Escabel for the distance. Like that totally just messed with my head. I think there's a better chance of Escabel and Jardine having sex in the octagon. (laughs) Dude, they're not even in the same fight. Let's get let's get logical here. (laughs) Well, Jardine, Uh, no, Keith Jardine, they're married. Oh, Keith Jardine. I thought John DeRoba. No, no, Jardine. I, my mind was totally in the gutter. Oh my yeah. god! I think we, next, we, should, we should wrap up real quick. Next next yeah. week, next week we have two weeks before two thirty seven. Next ah. week is Ayakinta versus Cerrone from Ottawa, Canada. Oh, Ottawa. Okay. Okay. All right, guys, you got all the wrap up. Follow all of us on Twitter. Thanks to those guys in chat. It's always fun. Good luck in your contest. See you next week. Yep. Bye bye. Yep. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com